thank you, Lord, for this beautiful worship that we can bring to you, O King. And Lord, I feel wholly inadequate as I stand here after seeing your presence this evening and just experiencing it in my own heart. And with that in mind, O King of Kings, we bring tonight's word to you that you will have your way and that every heart will be prepared to receive uh, what they need to receive from you, Holy Spirit. And for those that are, have not yet made a decision for you, that you will stir in their hearts because it's a choice. And it's, a, it's not a forceful choice, but it's one that you bring in the presence. And um, what an opportunity for us to just realign our hearts to you and hear what we need to do next. And so, Father, speak through me, as you may and will. And, um, yeah, I just want to honor you this evening. And thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, I'm going to just ask for the spectacles, spectacles, because just now I can't see. And that'll just be weird. Sorry, Steve. So, tonight's uh, message to you is we are called to a lifetime of ministry. Um, Importantly, uh, this message for the guys from that went with us to Plet. Where are they? Just hands up quickly. Plettenberg, Bay, Lacker, lots of guys. Woohoo! What an awesome uh, testimony. Thank you guys. You um, represented the rest of the congregation very well. And you can tap yourselves on the back a little bit if you haven't received a thank you. Because well done, um, faithful servants. They went and served and they, they, they um, went and lived in people's homes that have not experienced uh, family in church yet as well and it was a beautiful testimony so I want to encourage you if you have an opportunity to go out uh, try and go out and even if it's quite close by a Willow Moor or a, a Martin Moss then go <laughs> um, <laughs> not that I'm not um, dissing them because they need it it's just our brothers in Christ and we can go and uh, pray with them I thought a lot about this message over the last couple of months um, or weeks as it applied to me and it was really prepared for Plet but it's also prepared for you guys and so for the plate guys, just try and say bless you or amen or hallelujah now and then and look excited. Um, um, for the last 30 years, um, Annie's been watching. She's my wife of 28, 29 years, but she's been watching as I journey with the Lord. And um, yeah, she's done extremely well. Kudos to her. Just a big clap. Come on. <laughs> Everyone that knows me will clap loud. Yeah, like it. Um, <laughs> that's the point, is for her to look good, hey? Huh? Well done. I can get old uh, without grace. Okay. So she, she knows some of the decisions I made. Um, I always tried to honor the Lord. From a young age, I tried. I was called, I think, in my heart at the age of seven to either be a rock star. Are you called for that? <laughs> but either a rock star or a duomini. So that's, those are the only two words I really knew that looked popular and exciting. And I felt in my heart that there's a calling from about the age of seven to do what we're doing here tonight. But um, people would ask me and I'd say, Rockstar or Dermany. That's quite a, like, poles apart, hey? Um, I didn't know any better. <laughs> um, but in this journey, I'm, I made many mistakes, obviously. Um, and, and, yeah, high school, in the high school, it was very distant. So for your young ones, I know there's a lot of... Um, attractions, um, never mind matric exams and everything else. There's a lot of attractions and distractions in high school. Would you agree? The ex-high schoolers would, and the high schoolers would also, I guess. 
But um, in the army, it was more heavy on me because there was a lot of stress and pressure. And in stress and pressure times, people's worse and their best comes out. So it felt to me like I could really, even if I didn't really know how to take the gospel to the army or anywhere else for that matter, I still felt that I, I could bring the word to people and share the gospel and pray. So the calling was there. Um, I, I tried to live this calling, um, but then at around about the age of 21, I met Annie's uncle, Avi Swanapool. He's a real person. It's not a figment of my imagination. And this message is about uh, Avi, and you can also be an Avi or a Steve or a Stefan. <laughs> this is the calling for you guys to a lifetime of ministry, and that's the message tonight. You each sitting here, having accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, are called to a lifetime of ministry. Is that lacquer to know you are called? And we'll substantiate that with um, scripture, obviously. Just a quick text verse, Romans 6, verse 3 to 4, just to substantiate some of this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There's your calling. It's established, it's in the word, it's in Romans, which is really to the Christian church that was established then. So that's your call, is that you too might walk in the newness of Christ. Um, when I look at Avi Swanapool as an example, because he's still alive, he's 86 years old. Uh, we went to his community, it was my first community leader, so get to communities, get to a place where you can share the gospel and fellowship and be strengthened. Don't go into your little cussy on your own when things are heavy. Get to the people who have walked this road. And your community leaders should already have walked some road already with the Lord. Um, he um, w was an engineering project manager for a very big multinational, international company. And he moved across the world. He lived in Singapore and he lived in Johannesburg and a couple of other places in the world. But he never changed he was always living this calling of the ministry of Christ. He um, is 86 years old. He's in Middleburg at the moment now. I did make some jokes earlier about Middleburg. So anyone from Witbank and Middleburg, he saw Witbankers, Lekker, Marika, yeah, they lived there a while. I know that. But no disgrace to Middleburg. But if you drive there, have you ever driven there? It does not look good in the air. It looks like a steenkool main in die lucht. Have you ever seen a coal mine in the air? No. It's cloudy, it's gray, and it's not mist. And he's out there at 86, and he is every weekend ministering to the car guards, to prostitutes, and to broken people from all over the world, because car guards sometimes are from other parts of the world. And um, he baptizes regularly. I would say every week or two, he's baptizing someone. And he does make sure they get into a local church there. So he's 86. So my question is, if you're not RV, then what's our excuse? What is my excuse? What are you called to? Some food for thought before we go into four points that we'll try and highlight this evening for you. First one, do your possessions or your career or this world grab hold of your heart? Is that what's got your heart? Another one. Is politics, the government, or the lack of 
um, electricity. Or your emotions making decisions for you. What's driving you? What drives you? We're trying to get a line here where you can live a life called by him as per Romans and not lose focus. And this is why we're asking these questions. Do you depend first on medicine? Medicine's not a bad thing. I have two daughters that are kind of going into those careers. But um, do you depend on medicine first? We also go to medicine sometimes. Or your bank account. Or do you go to your friends that are not good counselors first? Where do you grab hold of things when things are tough? Earlier, when we started worshiping, I had the feeling that the Lord wants us to just, and some guys prophesied or spoke into that, just lose a little bit of tomorrow. Just put it aside for a little bit. Not that you can't deal with it and not that it might be tough tomorrow or choices or things you have to do this week, but because you need to spend time with him so that you can become and go into the week. So I just felt in your hearts, just prepare and try and listen to the word of God so that um, you are ready for it. So the question now, there's four points and, and this is what is this call? And we'll look at the, the base scripture is 1 Timothy 2. Verse 3 to 6, if Uli can um, maybe pull that up for us. And I, I, I'm, uh, three, is, yeah, 3 to 6, let's do that. I said to the guys earlier, let's read that together. So let's read this together. This is good. And it, no, I'm joking. It's really bad to do that. So I'd made that joke earlier. It doesn't sound great. Let me read it. This is good and it's pleasing. Sorry, not that you guys are lovely people. <laughs> In the sight of God, our Savior, good and pleasing, who desires that all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, and then a little bit more, for there is one God, there is one mediator between us and God, and that is Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Right, though. Thank you, Uli. Um, as Paul to Timothy shares this divine invitation and gives us valuable insight into guidance and how we navigate our way into this call, this journey of serving God. How do we wholeheartedly respond to this call? God's calling transcends all of our past mistakes. Yo, if, if his calling transcends our past mistakes, in other words, you are fully qualified in Christ to go. If we had to look at our past mistakes and say, because remember I started this, I said, Lord, I am holy inadequate but Christ and we have to we have to make that our baseline so looks at let's look at what these words mean all it means all everyone simple Greek that's all so when so when you think about the last couple of days this is just an exercise so that you can engage with the word and the last couple of days who have you met that is not sitting here next to you now or wasn't at AM this morning Lots of guys, the last couple of days, you walked into, someone maybe served you a coffee. Um, someone that you spoke to that you know is not, not saved, but it's not the time to share the gospel. But it's God's desire that all should be saved. Where's the desire in my heart that all should be saved? Is he, if, he, if I say to him, Abba, Father, how do I not share his heart? Yo, my heart feels so now. The next word that we looked at there is desires. That's the word thelo, thelo, Greek, depending on how Greek you are. It speaks about being determined, resolved, to wish, to love, to delight in. That's the desire of the Lord. 
So imagine you could be determined, resolved, and to love to go tomorrow and tell someone what Jesus had done in your life. Hey, what? That's what we need to walk with. Then save, and that's the thing. You know, we we know that the the um, theologically we we are we were saved when Christ died on the cross because everyone has a choice to accept Jesus, but we still have to make that choice. We are saved when we accept Jesus, and we will be saved one day when He returns. Nay, so there's lots of salvations here, but this speaks about the salvation in Christ to be whole, to be preserved for a time, to save from a suffering, well, and from perishing. In verse 4 to 5, it also speaks about to come to the full knowledge of the truth, which is, there is one God, I'm just repeating that, that we don't forget, and one mediator, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom. Now the word says, which is the testimony given at the proper time then there must be inference, uh, improper time. And so sometimes we'll share the gospel and have arguments, and I'm just going to quickly use the example of this morning. Anybody been in Times Square in New York before in their lives? Hands up, quickly. Would you agree that in some way it's like sensory overload? Lights, people, action, cops, shops, this vault. I have never, there's two places in my life, one that and one another place that's just sensory overload. Now, there I saw uh, Boko Haram in 2011. Do you know who Boko Haram is? I'm just going to do a bit of politics and economics here. Those are the guys that are killing a lot of Christians in northern Nigeria right now. It's 12 years later. I saw them in Times Square. They were arguing with some Christians, big guys, big, big. If you, uh, I have a friend who's a Nigerian um, bouncer. He's massive, Eric. Remember him? Um, huge guy. And these Boko Haram guys all looked like him, like Eric. And they were in Times Square. Remember, Times Square, anything goes. You can take your group from Josh Jen and go and argue with a group of Mormons. Or you can go and argue with a group of Muslims. It all goes. Nobody's going to kill each other at that moment because it's an open, open game. But this is this, there's this place when there's an improper time to have an argument for Jesus. So you need the Holy Spirit. Without Jesus, you do not know when the proper time is to share the gospel. There's many proper times. So don't um, be dissuaded just because I just said, Yo, that's a forkere tijd om te share. Okay. The testimony, the word that testimony, marturion is the Greek. I have to throw some Greek in there. It just makes me feel eloquent. It's witnessing. It's giving evidence. So how do we give evidence? We don't always give evidence with this thing. It's my life. My lifestyle should give evidence. It's hard. It's a hard call. Um, and we need to give evidence. At the Matthew 24 verse 14 where Jesus says, The gospel of this kingdom will be proclaimed throughout all the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So it brings us to our second point. You are called, every one of you, to give evidence and to witness because, for one reason, Christ has set you apart. That price he paid already. You cannot witness about Jesus if you have not been saved. How do you? It's that pilot. I'm going to quickly story. You get very clever people. We've spoken about this before. They can read a manual on how to fly a 747 Boeing. And they can tell you where on page 148 it says the fuel mix must be X, Y, Z. They have just this amazing mind. They can recall everything. But that pilot doesn't have the feeling to fly this Boeing. 
you need feeling as well. The pilot here, there's two pilots here, or one at the moment, and he'll say, yeah, you need a bit of feeling. So without the Holy Spirit, you, you can know the Bible, you can know the Word, but you can't uh, share the gospel. You cannot witness your life, cannot be a witness. You cannot witness about Jesus without receiving the Holy Spirit. You cannot keep on living without witnessing. Wait, what, what did I say now? You can live and have a lack of liver, but with the Holy Spirit in you, with Him desiring that all people are alive, you cannot continue this way and not testimony and not give testimony in your life. It's your call. Don't waste time. I felt at some point in my life that there was 10 years that was like that. Now, if you're 20 years old, 10 years is a lot. If you're 50, 10 seems less. But I tell you what, the end is racing at me. And it feels like those 10 years were like lost years. So don't have lost years, guys. When you were born again, you were set apart, but you were also commissioned and you received the Holy Spirit. You were empowered by the Holy Spirit. So if we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, why do we not fulfill this unique plan that he has for you? So the question now is, where is this call? Where do I go and what do I do? Because everyone wants to run um, to Uganda. Um, maybe Bulgaria or Russia, Pakistan, Plate, Mauritius. <laughs> um, well, we laugh at Mauritius, but you know, we spoke about that. We, I know we made a little bit of a joke about Mauritius. You're suffering for the Lord. The truth is, they gave up something. It costs something to go and plant a, you leave your family and your friends. It does cost something. So even a Stellenbosch or a Plate or whatever, it sounds moy, but you do give up. You do pay a price. Um, if not, all, it, it's not all of us that will go like that, uh, be ordained to lead a church, be ordained as an elder or a deacon or a title. It's wonderful. It, it's good to desire the things of the Lord, but we don't need a title. You don't have to go to mission school to testify. I'm not saying mission school is bad. Uh, the Lord has many ways to uh, share the gospel into the world. Um, importantly, we won't all be bestowed with titles and names or paid even to minister the word of the Lord. Is that true? Um, some, you know, the question I have is your career, your job. It's a means to an end. And we heard Andrew say that, remember, we're building the church of Christ. This is the kingdom. The Lord's returning. We know we must be ready. In the meantime, your job and your career might be a means to an end. What does that mean? We can infer that a means is a door, a doorway. You've been given a door. You have talents and gifts. Don't look down on that door. It might be your education, your upbringing, your skills. It could be training that's opened a door for you. That's a door. What's the end? The end is the good news, the gospel. It's the life and the desire of God that all men may one day see eternity and newness of life and be saved here on this earth. So the, the means is the job and the career, but the end is him. It doesn't take away the value of your means. So stop it. I want to say that word, may I? <laughs> In a beautiful way, stop looking down at what you're doing. I'm not saying don't be ambitious. Don't look for the things of the Lord. Don't uh, prayer and supplication 
and fasting <laughs> and thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm joking, we'll get to the fasting, don't worry, uh, later. But set aside yourself, be disciplined so that you can walk in this uh, calling. Colossians 3 verse 23, so this is where we connect the gospel and your calling and your salvation and we connected with what do I do today? What happens tomorrow? And Colossians clearly says, and I know some of the um, Bible teachers will tell you that, and it is true, the word, the three rules of the reading the word of God is what? First of all, context. Second, context. Third, context. So I'm taking it a little bit out of context, but not too much because it does say, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. It's a simple scripture. And I've used that in my own life when I had to work for someone that pays me a salary that is evil <laughs> as well. Sorry, bless him, Lord. Um, I won't mention his name. Uh, the word whatever, the Greek word hos, means whatever. Hos, hos. Isn't that like a dance thing? Hos, anyway. So stop it. I mustn't make jokes. Um, whatever you do, whatever is whatever you do is poyeo, Yes, the magic word that the Lord gave us. This is the richness of scripture. This is why you read the word of God and don't just listen to some foolish guy up front like me. You read the word so that you can understand what it means. You do. Remember, we're reading Colossians 3. Whatever you do, what is the you do? The word says, produce, construct, make ready, prepare, acquire, to provide for, make a thing out of something. Appoint, ordain, declare, put forth, fulfill, deal, lead, or make someone do something. I love that one. I want to be a boss. Hey, come do not mock, sir. Ah. Uh, but this is, the, this is the, what the word means. To carry out something, to execute or to perform. That is the whatever you do. I guess that sums up all of the careers in this house. Nee. The word just spoke about all of us. So, it does say, though, do it heartily. So heartily, it's, it's not the heartbeat. It's with the life that God's given you. Um, it's the vital force that animates your body, that makes you not look tired and exhausted. It's the breath. It's the breathing. It's alive. Do your work, which is your labor, and what you're going to do tomorrow morning at 6 or 7 or when you wake up. As for the Lord, rather than for men, it's a labor of love. That love, it starts with the love of the Lord. It starts with this, and then you can go and love. That's why we go tomorrow, is to love those who are unlovable. Ask God for that love, the love for the lost. Emulate Christ's love, and let it permeate every aspect of your life as you strive to lead others to this deeper personal relationship with the Lord. And in that, I just want to do a quick exercise. We are only 28 minutes away from finishing, not... We don't have much. But just for a moment, just close your eyes for a second. And just as an exercise, I mentioned the last couple of days, and just think of the two or three or one person that you've met or know that really needs Jesus, that is broken and shattered. And just for a second, I want you to activate and pray. Lord, you know the two or three names, and there's many more, but the two or three I always pray for. I just bring them before you, Lord. I ask that you'll have mercy on them. And that someone will share the testimony of Christ with them. And they will be ready to receive and to hear. 
Not that I can say I prayed for them and I see them in eternity, but for their own sakes, Lord Jesus. Name their names. Because if he loved you so much, what is it that we can't do this labor of love? It is hard, guys. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 12, if you may, um, Ula, if it is there in the mix. Fight the good fight. Who's ever been in a fight? Like, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to the husbands and wives, you know, like, is it a physical one? <laughs> but any kind of fight, this it's hard. A fight is hard. Um, so fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of witnesses where you accepted Jesus. It is a hard thing. I want to encourage those that haven't done it. It is a beautiful thing, but it's a hard thing. It's a good fight. You know, a fight doesn't come without its problems. <laughs> but trust in him. Do not let your faith waver. Ministry, though, is not without its challenges. Accept them wholeheartedly. How do we do it? There's a way to do this. There's a recipe, the five steps to a lifetime of ministry. Not really. But I do think we do that through a cultivating a lifetime of spiritual discipline as well. It takes work. It takes discipline. You've got to wake up earlier than the others. You've got to be nicer than the others. When ESCOM switches the power off, you say, God bless ESCOM. God bless our government. Huh? I just feel so much better when it goes on. Eh? <laughs> but in 1 Timothy 4, it's the last big scripture we'll look at, verse 6 to 12. Before we go into that scripture, maybe you must just jot it down. I don't want to, I feel... We're going to cut it a little bit shorter, if that's okay. But in that time, um, Paul was writing Timothy, and, and, and I sort of encourage you, if you haven't had a word of encouragement or some kind of prophecy that you're going to do great things one day. I had that in Marcel Bay uh, 27 years ago. And I'm like, Lord, great things. That means I'm going to speak to 100 people. No, 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 no. That great thing can be one soul that I allowed and shared the gospel to, I didn't say, I don't save anyone, eh? I don't save people. No one here saves people. We know that. But just sharing the gospel, if it was one soul that now has a, a lifetime of ministry that follows Christ, it's enough. So if someone says to you, Ryan, stand up, stand up, net for, net for fun. Um, this is not a prophecy. But you're going to do great things in Mossel Bay one day. Sit down. Wonderful. What? What is that? I mean, it's exciting. I mean, what a promise. So if you haven't received any kind of prophecy and encouragement, we will activate just now if the Lord will. Sorry, we will not. We may. And that is that you feel a little bit encouraged as to what the Lord has in store for you. But in that time, Paul spoke to Timothy. And he, he's ta talking to Timothy now, but if I understand it correctly, 12 years before there was a time when there was laying on of hands on Timothy. There was prophecy on Timothy to do these things. Wow, 12 years. So sometimes we wait a little bit. Nee. But in your waiting, don't fall asleep. Don't wait for the time when you start that halfway house or the orphanage or the whatever you have in mind. Do live that life in Christ now. Don't wait. In 1 Timothy, um, at that time... I, I, if I'm right, if I understand the scripture correctly and, and read the footnotes, 
Gnosticism was big, dis a groot woord, Gnostics. Ja, ek het gestruggle die eerste keer toe ek dit hoor. But that is really simply, the material world is all evil. So everything material is evil. So what I'm just doing now is I'm saying, no, everything material is not evil. You've been called to a work of ministry wherever you go and whatever you do. It's not evil. It might be broken and it, the world system might be broken. So verse, I'm just going to highlight some of the verses. You can jot it down or think about this. In verse 12 it says, you go and be a good minister or servant of Jesus. In verse 7, if you want to jump, then you can, you can read yourself. Um, you want to go to seven for us, Uli? Yeah, thank you. It says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, remember, and these arguments and funny things, but train yourself in godliness. These are the spiritual practices. Prayer, reading the word, meditation on scripture, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and engaging regularly with people around you that love the Lord. Humbly seeking wisdom from others. Yo, if you have to seek wisdom from others, it does humble you. You don't have all the answers. Come to the elders, come to your leaders. We don't have all the answers, but together we might help you on a, on a path that um, you're not set up for, for um, damage and destruction. Yeah. In verse 10 it says, allow yourself, allow yourself to be brought up in the truths of faith. So it's action, guys, this oxy. It's, you've got you've to action it. You've got to allow yourself. That's being pursuing godliness that's pursuing people that's pursuing opportunities to listen to someone or drink a coffee with a Stephen or Stefan or a Ben or someone it's pursuit it's training be teachable and pursue this as an action in verse 11 command and teach yo that's hectic now obviously that's for Timothy so let's go context 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 but you are called and you can command and teach. And that might be your household, your sister, your brother, or whoever you have some responsibility over. And it says in that verse 11, it says, but set an example. So you can command and teach again, but if you're not an example, but help it. This is a, a maniero for your faith. It's like when we were young, we told the kids, stop it. And we go to church and we worship. And then we shout at the kids on the way back, ah, oh, stop it. And uh, I mean, that's just double-minded. That's... um. Kids look at that and they say it's not real. It's, there's no real relationship with the Lord. So we've got to set an example. Example um, in 1 Timothy 3, the attributes, what does it take to be an elder or a deacon? It speaks about that. It says some of those attributes are self-control, integrity, gentleness, serving as a witness to those around you, which is really the nature of Christ. In verse 14, do not neglect, this was for Timothy, do not neglect the gifts that were prophesied to you. Remember now, that was 12 years before. Um, but we do want to, as we read and close this meeting tonight, do ask God to confirm what are those gifts in my heart? What, what, are, what is latent that I've left on the side? Or I don't know. And I want to activate those gifts, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. And in Timothy 1 verse 8, you don't have to put that on. It says, do not be ashamed to minister. In the car we spoke, Rehard, I seek a boobody kinders, but we spoke and, and I know it's much easier for me to get on a strange plane. There are some guys in church, I think they're in AM now, which I was in a plane and I spoke to them and they in Josh Jen. They weren't saved on the plane. It wasn't that exciting. 
but it's easier for me uh, to get on a Gauw train where nobody knows me, <laughs> and the person next door, and I'm like, oh, are you, what are you doing now? I'm going for interview. Wow, can I pray for you? I believe in Jesus, and that's easy. And the person gets off and never sees me again. But if I had to do that in spa on my regular coffee with Robin and Maggie, to everybody there, people would look at me a little bit strangely. But what do I care? Do not be ashamed, says Paul, to minister. So don't be ashamed. And then lastly, be a faithful steward. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 20, I just want to bring a last bit of scripture into this so that you know I didn't go mad um, totally. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you, avoid, to you. Avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is called, uh, falsely called knowledge. We had a warning the other day from Andrew, and it's really not Andrew, it's the eldership as well with Andrew that feel, just quieten down all the voices in your life a little bit. Read the word. So why do we want to read the word? I'm going to make the statement I made this morning, and I feel really bad about it because I've, I'm actually ashamed to say this in front of you. I am. And that is, I cannot stand here and tell you about scripture, even if it's in or out of context and it's so clever with Greek and Hebrew and interpretations. If I have not read the word through from Genesis to Revelation, that disqualifies me. How do we get... Guys like me stand here, prepare some amazing message, but I've never read the Bible in full. Because that's the half of knowledge. That's that gift, that knowledge. I know the word, but it's false. So what I want to encourage you with is to use your time wisely to advance the kingdom. And it's done through your talents and resources and your gifts and your daily grind. So get going. Be a faithful steward. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1, how do we get this ministry? It's by grace, by His mercy. And we don't lose heart because it was by the mercy of God. When we are weak, He is strong. And so we just realize it's, it's through His mercy. You are ministers of a new covenant. And this new covenant that we are living out here in Josh Jen tonight, PM, you guys. It's a covenant that was prophesied in Jeremiah 31 verse 31. You can look at that. 31 verse 34, 39 to 40 um, in chapter 31. Exodus 11, 19. Exodus 36, 26. You can come to the notes and take it afterwards. It'll, it'll lie here for a bit. You are ministers of that new covenant that was prophesied hundreds, if not thousands of your years before your birth. My beloved, my beloved, you, my beloved, it's makkelijk om het te sê, ek slief veel oor. Oor jylle. You are, but you're not my beloved, you're his beloved. And he speaks this over you, he says, do you love this life? Are you so earthly minded, this is just a quote, a lot of guys quote. Are you so earthly minded that you know heavenly good? Have you heard that quote? You've probably heard, or are you too heavenly minded, eternity, that you know earthly good? When you walk like this with a Bible under your arms, people are like, yeah, you just, all you care about is, the, you know, the question is, if you die today, where will you be tomorrow? That's, that's that, um, all you care about is the life one day. But we want to find the balance that the word calls, and it's not yin-yang balance, that is not in the word, you know, darkness and light stuff. This is the balance 
of being heavenly minded fully, knowing that we have an eternal promise, yet being very active, living it out here. So we want to be both heavenly minded, but also earthly good. And that's the call to you guys and to me. Um, follow him. He is preparing you. This is preparation for eternal life. And if you want to live, how do you live? You die. I've said and I've prayed, Lord, when I walk, if by his grace, when I walk into eternity, I want to recognize the place. Mark it sin. It mustn't be strange to me. And it comes by how I live here. And I know this, I'm not saying do good deeds and enter in. It's not what I'm teaching you tonight. I'm saying be prepared. He is preparing you. He's, he's alive in you. He says you are his temple. What? The Holy Spirit lives in you. We don't have to go to a temple and sacrifice. Uh, what was that? Six chickens. For, there were sometimes doves, lots of sheep and groot bille. It's not what we have to do. This is rather being very eternally minded, but very effective because we look forward to that day. And yeah, with that in mind, that's my story. And I'll stick to it. <laughs> so if you, um, is there, so there's a call here. And it's, if you don't mind standing, it's just easier for those who do respond. Um, you want to come stand with me? Yeah. You want to you wanna join me, uh, Stefan? Have you got something on you? Yeah. Come nader. It's, it's not like a loan. We're two or more gathered. Um, I just want to, as we do this, you know, I've, I've shared some of the gospel. I've shared a call. But I just want to allow um, guys who are here tonight that have not made a commitment to Jesus to follow him. I didn't want to scare you with the gospel. I just wanted to make sure you understand that you die for him. And within dying, there is definitely an action. And that is the response. We see um, how a lot of our young people, two years ago, they were in the streets and they were living wild. And then the Lord comes and they've responded to the gospel. And the Lord's done a good work in them. It's only by the Holy Spirit. You cannot fix yourself. So if you feel that tonight is the night that you want to give your life over and follow the Lord, come forward. Let's, let's allow guys to come forward.